Our second scripture is Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4a. Now God said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as God had told him, and his nephew Lot went with him. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Please pray with me. Loving God, in all our endings and our beginnings and in every moment in between, you are with us. Help us to feel and experience your presence with us now so that as we experience your word, we might become a blessing. Amen. Well, that was short. This morning's scripture is a text of few words, less than four verses. They didn't even get to the end of verse four, structured around four main verbs. Go, show, make, bless. Go, go Abram from everything you know, from your land, your kindred, your parents' house, go to this new land, I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, a great name. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. So few words and yet so few words set so much in motion. Go Abram from everything you know and begin again. The paucity of words leaves room for many questions. So who is this Abram? Did he know this God before this story, before this voice that tells him to go? Why would he trust this go from this God and leave everything behind? Wasn't he terrified about this going, about the unknown that lay ahead? And what did his wife Sarah have to say? Did they pause even for a moment and say, really? Do we really want to do this? Because if we peek ahead in the story, we know that the going won't be easy. It rarely is. We know that from Scripture and from the stories of migrating peoples in our day, they will arrive in a strange land. Those already there will likely be suspicious of the stranger there will be challenges and violence which Sarai and the women, <clears throat> excuse me, Sarai and the women will experience even more than the men. We know the struggle of people on the move, people who are beginning again. The big question, the big question that rises up in me is how do they do it? Abram and Sarai and Lot, how do they just begin again? How do people do that in our day for that matter? How do we, how do we begin again? Standing in the lives we know in those moments of change that come big and small, sometimes expected, sometimes not in those moments, how do we begin again? This beginning again that is woven into the very fabric of our life. 
We know this isn't the first go in Scripture, and it won't be the last. Abram and Sarai and Lot will go and settle in a new land, but by the end of Genesis, there will be a famine in that land, and their descendants will go into Egypt, where Joseph has prepared a way. They will go there, settle and farm and thrive until a new Pharaoh rises up and they find themselves in slavery. There will be the go of Moses, let my people go. There's the go of Passover, get up and go now. In the night while the Egyptian army is weak, grab what you can, what you can carry and go. Go from slavery, go toward freedom. There will be the daily grind and go of their wilderness wandering. Forty years of stumbling and grumbling in the desert. Every morning a new go. Go. Take today's plodding step on this relentless journey to the land we have been promised someday. And even after they settle that land, there will come the go of exile when the Babylonian army sweeps in and takes the people away into captivity. Go after go after go, every go, a living, a leaving, and a beginning again. It doesn't stop with the Hebrew scriptures. We find that in the life of Jesus. Just after he's born, go, flee to Egypt. Herod is trying to kill you. Remember last week, just after baptism, go into the wilderness and face the voices there. Go heal, go teach, go face the powers, go face the cross, go even unto death. And there is the go spoken at the mouth of an empty tomb. Go tell the others he is not dead, he is risen. That go that Jesus spoke to his disciples, come follow me and go into the world. Go after go after go, every go, a leaving and a beginning again. We know this go and this beginning again in our own lives. There is the go of birth. Just one more push and there we go, out into a shockingly cold and bright world. There's the go of growing up and leaving home. Go to school, go to work. There's the go of adventure, adventures we choose and adventures that are thrust upon us, love, loss, parenthood, aging. There is the go of dying. There is a go at the dawn of each new day. Wake up, go into this day. Every day is a brand new day. This is the day that God has made. This, this go, this beginning again, it is part of the rhythm of our days, of life. As the Benedictines say, always, 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 we begin again. And all around us. All around us, people are beginning again. Ours is a world of go, of people on the move. We live now in this interconnected global world. I think of the Bay Area and how so many of us are not originally from around here. On an even larger scale, we live in a world where people are on the move because they have been displaced by war, by famine and flooding, by political and religious persecution, by violence and rampant corruption in their homeland, by global crisis, people on the move, beginning again, everywhere, all the time, a reality not just of ancient stories and of history, but of now. Yes, always we begin again, but how? 
how do we begin again? Maybe the even bigger question is, how do we live in a world of beginning again? Last week and in the children's time, I mentioned Malala Yousafzai, the Nobel Prize-winning activist for the rights and thriving of young women and girls. You may know her first book, I Am Malala, which tells her story of standing up to the Taliban. She has another book called We Are Displaced, where she gathers and shares the stories of refugee girls from around the world, courageous young women beginning again. Malala is Pakistani, born into a pre-Taliban Pakistan where girls could go to school and learn. Her father ran two schools, one for boys, one for girls. But that freedom ended when the Taliban swept into the Swat Valley where she lived. Both Malala and her father were vocal activists for the rights of girls to an education. And if you know Malala's story, you know that she was targeted and then shot by the Taliban, and her family knew they needed to go. Malala explains that as with so many refugee families, the only choice they had for their safety and for their life was to leave, to go. Malala and her family made their way to Birmingham, England, and it's taken some practice for me to pronounce Birmingham like that. They left with only their clothes on their back, Lala says, as they settled in, it felt as if we had landed on the moon. Everything looked, smelled, and felt differently. Tall buildings, people from so many cultures. Even in school, where she most wanted to be, the girls were different, the language, even the jokes. As she found her way in her new home, we know that the world responded with support and with amazement. That inspired her to continue to speak out, and it engendered in her a commitment to help tell and amplify the story of other girls. Other girls globally displaced and on the move, stories of their courage and their strength. Malala tells the story of the two sisters whose picture I showed, Zainab and Sabrim, who fled bombings and a revolution. They were from Yemen. And they made their way at first to Cairo, where Zainab came down with tuberculosis. In a completely strange land, she had to quarantine alone for her treatments. Eventually, through the help of relatives in the U.S., she got a visa, but because of a mix-up in the paperwork and a brand new president hostile to immigration, her sister Sabrine did not. So they had to make the difficult decision to split up. Zainab made her way to the U.S. Sabrine set out on a journey of her own, which included a perilous voyage across the Mediterranean on a rickety raft. Zainab has made her home in Minneapolis, where she has taught all the girls at her school how to play soccer. Sabrine has made a home in Belgium, where she has now married and begun a family. Sabrine and Zainab met Malala at a gathering of globally displaced girls advocating together for, human right, for the human rights of girls. When Malala asked the gathered young women what they wanted to change, Zainab says this, At the start, I wanted to have a better life with all of our family in Yemen. But I know those dreams are now impossible. 
but I can make other dreams come true. I want to finish my schooling so I can go back to that beautiful home and bring justice with me. I want to rebuild it. I believe that there can be a happy ending for every story, and I will create that happy ending for this part of my own story. Zainab adds, I dream big. I don't know if you watched 60 Minutes last Sunday, but they told the story of the Sola Girls, the Sola Girls School in Afghanistan, an entire school that fled as Taliban forces rolled into Kabul. And of course, any time I think of Afghanistan, I think of Asma, our own beloved Asma, who led this congregation in planting trees for peace in her homeland. The Sola School's founder, Shabana Basij Rasuk started the school in reaction to the Taliban's first reign of terror. As a child, she had to go to a secret school dressed as a boy. She eventually left and went to the U.S. And then she left there and went back to Afghanistan with the intention of helping raise up the next generation of Afghan leaders, including young women and girls. The school had been thriving for a number of years when last year the Biden administration announced the planned withdrawal from Afghanistan. That was two years ago, sorry. Shabana began planning to take the whole school, 200 girls abroad for a semester while all of that happened and transpired. But the Taliban circled Kabul sooner than expected and she and the girls, 256 girls and school staff evacuated on one of the last planes to leave Kabul. They went and they were welcomed in Rwanda. Rwanda welcomed them with eager and open arms, they found a home for the school in a former hotel complex with a dining hall. The girls now wear school uniforms that incorporate Rwandan cloth to honor their host country, and they have persevered in their learning math, science, the Quran, geography, leadership. And when asked about their hopes, the girls say, that what they, say what they want to be, a surgeon, a politician, an astronaut. One of them wants to be a spy. Shibana Basij Rasuk says that she hopes the world will see in these amazing young women educated girls committed to one day being leaders of a different Afghanistan. And so every morning at their school, they recite together this affirmation. We all are Afghans. We love Afghanistan. We will try our best and work hard to improve our beautiful country. You may want to watch the, the news story. It's so much better hearing it in their voices. Leslie Stahl asked them, you say this every day? And they all say together emphatically, yes. And one of them, Zara, says, we repeat it every day. It is stuck in our heart. Go from everything you know and begin again. How do they do it? I am in awe. Let's notice just a few things in these stories. Abram, Sarai, and Lot. Malala, Zainab, and Sabrine. Zara, Shabana, and the girls of the Sola School. First, notice that in each of these stories, they go. 
God says to Abram, go, go from everything you know, go so that you will be a blessing. And then scripture says, Abram went. In each of these stories, they go, they take the first step into their new beginning, the first step into the unknown, the first step for a better world. That takes courage. And I want to name that and honor that. Second, notice that in each of these stories, as they go into a new beginning, there is this sense that they go with God. Now, now this story of Abram is a story from the Hebrew Scriptures that we're telling here in a Christian community as we tell, also tell stories and honor the courage of these Muslim girls. These are stories from across what are sometimes called the three Abrahamic religions. We are all descendants. We're all related. In each story, in ways that flow out of distinct but related traditions, there is the sense that they go with God. As this morning's psalm says, God will not let your foot stumble. God is your keeper, the shade at your right hand. God will keep your going out and your coming in forevermore. God says to Abram, go and I will make something of you so that you will be a blessing to all nations. And that's the third thing. Notice that in their going with God, they become a blessing. We've talked about blessing before. Blessing is this gift from God embodied in us, in our words, in our lives, that issues forth into the world in goodness and well-being and life. In blessing, we infuse good into the world. God says that Abram and Sarai will be a blessing to all peoples. Malala blesses the world with fierce moral conviction that girls have a right to education and a right to live and thrive in a world without violence and fear. A blessing we see embodied and lived out in Zainab and Sabrine and the Afghan girls' school. As they go and become again, they become a blessing in the community that they create together. That makes me think for a moment about the communities coming to life in all of these new beginnings. It makes me think not only of the people on the move when they're on the move, but also of the people who are receiving them and welcoming them. Like the Rwandans who welcomed and found a home for the Sola Girls School. Maybe for those moments when we are in our homeland, in the midst of folks who arrive on our doorstep. Maybe, maybe our part in the blessing is welcoming them in, providing shelter and food, being a friend and a neighbor to those arriving in a strange land. Maybe that's our part in that particular beginning again. I think of Asma. I think of Ozma, of the story of her journey to the United States, how she made her way here. How she then took some of you on journeys to Afghanistan to plant trees and how you were welcomed there. I think of how Ozma welcomed me to this place. How do we begin again? 
How do we live in a world of beginning again? Well, how about this for just the start of an answer? We go. We go with courage. We take the first step and the next. We go accompanied by God, accompanying each other. We go together into the new beginning and we go to be a blessing. And as we go in this world of new beginnings, we welcome each other. We welcome those who are on the move in their beginning and we say to each other, there is a place for you here.